Kumajana Tubanandasya, Janajana Salakaya, Chakshur Militanyena Tasmashi Gurave Namaha, Panchakoptu Vishya, Kripasindaviva Cha, Patita Nam Pavanebu, Vaishnavijinamo Namaha, Om Namo Bhagavati Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavati Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavati Vasudevaya, Nastatriyeshu abhyeshu nicham bhagavata sevaya bhagavatu tamasloke bhaktir bhavati naistiki Good evening everyone. We will continue our discussion on Srila Jiva Goswami's Satsandarbhas. We are coming to the conclusion of the Tattva Sandarbha. And... Uh, so we can chant responsibly a verse from the uh, second canto, chapter 10, verse 1, which is the subject matter to be discussed tonight. Atra sargo visargas cha Atra sargo visargas cha Stanam posanam utaya Manvatare sunukatha Manvatare sunukatha Naraudo muktirashraya Naraudo muktirashraya Translation Sri Sukadev Goswami said in the Srimad Bhagavatam, there are ten divisions of statements regarding the following the creation of the universe, sub creation, planetary systems, protection by the Lord, the creative impetus, the change of Manus, or the charge of Manus also, uh, the science of God, returning home back to Godhead, liberation, and the summum bonum. These ten subjects. Primordial creation, cosmic creation, sustenance of life systems, the operation of grace, the matrix of phenomenality, enactment of dharma for rational thought-based beings, power of self-revealing word, coexistence with the reality it signifies, Dissolution of life systems, liberation, the ultimate shelter of all. So now we go outward. Jiva Goswami has, at the end of this Tattvasandarbha, after establishing beyond any doubt the fact that there are limitations to the acquisition of perfect knowledge available to us from the environment. We're limited in our in the ability of our senses and then also in the ability of our intellect. So he's first established in the first half of the Tatvasandarbha the fact that we have to rely on transcendent sound vibration, Subda Brahman. And then he's established of all the different types of subdebarman that may be of any value to humanity in this specific age and at this specific time, it's Srimad Bhagavatam. It's the premier repository of the topmost essence of inquiry into the nature of our being and the nature of the Supreme Being and 
the perfection of our existence. There's many Vedas, and in the Vedas, there's primarily the majority of the Vedas are dealing with Artha, Dharma, Karma, and Moksha. But the Bhagavatam is coming immediately to a fifth goal, and this is uh, the special benediction of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So this fifth Purushartha accomplishment for humanity is praying. And this is what the core essence of Srimad Bhagavatam has to offer to humanity. Jiva has presented us with the proper means for acquiring perfect knowledge. Transcendent sound and of all the transcendent sounds available, he's focused on the Bhagavat, Bhagavat Purana. And then he says, well, where, if we look at this particular Purana, where do we look in this specific Purana for the core understanding to be gained from entering into a study of it. He immediately centers on, well, let's go to what was the core rationale of the author. What brought him to deliver this Bhagavat Purana? And as we know, there's some backstory there. He was not content with writing down all the literatures, all the Subda Brahman. He presented it all and even after so much work in order to try to help humanity in this age, he was not satisfied. And he went to Narda, and Narda said, think about it. Think deeply about it. I'm sure it'll come to you. Knowing the mentality of a student, the master said, this will be self-evident if you just think about what, what the task at hand is. And in doing so, he, he went into samadhi. And Sutta Goswami, he wrote four verses that summarized what was it that Srila Vyasudeva experienced in samadhi. And in those four verses, there are four important concepts presented. He saw in his samadhi the Supreme Lord. He had a revelation. He actually experienced the Supreme personally in samadhi. He saw Krishna face to face. And he saw the Lord's external potency standing somewhat behind the Maya, Maya Shakti. And he saw the Jivas and their specific position. Now remember, he entered into this Samadhi with an objective in mind. He wanted to help humanity. So therefore his revelation was in relationship with his desire to perform that particular service. So he saw Bhagavan, the Supreme Lord, he saw the Lord's external potency, Maya. He saw, when, of course, when he saw the Lord, he saw all of his potencies, and he saw the Jiva. 
And he also saw that the jiva was in a condition of the majority within the material realm were were entrapped in the Lord's external potency. And he realized that there was a remedial measure by which they could be relieved of that condition. And that remedial measure was the pastimes of the Lord. And then it came to me, well, then I have to I have to rewrite the Bhagavat Purana because the Bhagavat Purana contains the essence, the cream of all the Lord's pastimes. And people in the age of Kali, all they need to do is hear these pastimes and they'll be relieved of the miseries of material existence. Their consciousness, they'll be able to go through an entire turning of consciousness and awareness to the Supreme, and that will relieve the miseries and the suffering caused within the material realm. He saw perfectly the Lord, Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojan in his revelation. And then Jiva Goswami says, and let's look to the significance of what Srila Vyasadeva offered. He offered a rewriting of the Bhagavatam just concentrating on bringing out the essence of the pastimes of the Supreme Lord. So if we're going to look to the author, this is what the author experienced. He went into Samadhi and he experienced. That's what spiritual life's about, is revelation, experiencing. That's spirituality. That's different from religion and I didn't join the Hare Krishna movement to join a social club. I came to experience what I read in the books face-to-face, first-hand. And that's what we're all here for. Srila Vyasadeva had this revelation, and then Jiva says, and let's also look to, in the Bhagavat, who's the speaker of the Bhagavatam? Well, it's Sukadeva Goswami. What's significant about that? about Sukadeva. So Sukadeva was a perfect living entity. Perfect, what's that mean to be perfect? It means to be in the world, not of the world. He was so much in, not of the world, he could walk naked in society. He wasn't affected in any way by any of the trappings of the Lord's external energy. So he was perfect in self-realization. Perfectly realized soul walking in the world. But despite that condition of Sukadeva Goswami, when he heard two or three verses from the Bhagavatam, his consciousness was immediately drawn. Now how could his consciousness be drawn? He was already in perfection from realization of himself. He realized his true spiritual nature and still, he was drawn to the Leela of the Lord. So this is what Jeevas focuses on. He says, if we're going to look to the Bhagavatam for a comprehensive solution to the questions regarding the nature of our being, then let's look to the author's revelation in Samadhi, and let's look to the speaker's attraction 
despite the fact that he was perfect in humanity before hearing the Bhagavatam. So much so that he was drawn to the Bhagavatam. And he had to go and he had to listen to Vyasudeva, who couldn't keep him at home when he first came out of the womb. He refused to stay. I want nothing to do with this life. And he just walked off. But when he heard the verses from the Bhagavatam, he returned to learn. All the nectar that was there was millions of times more fulfilling to him than even his own self-realization. He was a Jivan Mukta. So now Jiva's taken us to this point, and he's saying, now let's, let me start here, and we know what is our objective. Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojan for that which was experienced by Vyasudeva and spoken of by Sukadeva. That's what we want. So let's start our journey and let's start with Sambandha. Let's learn about what is the Supreme Lord. And he says to start there, let's look at ourselves because that's what we're familiar with. So let's look at ourselves and we will get some indication of what is the nature of the Supreme Being if we can look at our being. So he's taken us on a journey here and he said, look at these particular verses from the Bhagavatam and look at the nature of your consciousness. And we've just finished up that section. And it was exciting to know that we are consciousness and that body is changing, but it's not affecting us. And it's exciting stuff. So now he's saying, okay, we've looked in and we've looked at what Peepan Lyana said to Maharaj Nimi, to King Nimi, and we've taken the essence of those verses where he's pointed out the nature of consciousness, and he said, now we can see this is also applicable to that supreme consciousness. We're in the world and not of the world. He's the creator of the world and not of the world. We have minute consciousness. He has unlimited consciousness. Here at the end of the Tattvasandarbha, he's saying, look inward. And now tonight he's saying, now look outward. So he's taking us from where we are. We're in a position where we're, in, we're of the world. And we have our consciousness and our awareness. And he's saying, let's start the journey of, of self-realization with ourselves. We are consciousness. And the nature of our consciousness is this. And it's separated from all the changes we see around us. So he said, look inward and see where you are. Now, tonight's verses, he's saying, look outward. For this presentation at the end of the Tattvasandarbha, he's saying, let's look to the Bhagavatam for the most comprehensive explanation of the nature of what we experience from the outside. Now, he could have said, let's go to the university and go to the classes on physics, or let's go to the... He could have said there, there, but he says, there's already been great sages, and they've already looked at this 
for millennia. Time and again, they've looked at this information and let's take what is the essence of their presentation because it's extremely comprehensive. So he doesn't dismiss the fact that the world of men also may have an opinion, but he's saying, but all of all the men in the world, the sages have looked at the situation more deeply than any of the sciences of the world. And I think what, what that speaks to us of is the fact that when these Brahmavadis, when these Jnanis, when these Yogis, when these Karma Yogis, when they engage in their yoga, they're given a little deeper understanding of the nature and the flow of the universe than what we can perceive when we simply rely on our external senses because they've gone inward also. We'll start with a summary of the end of the Tatva Sandarbha. So we're, we're starting this evening with the Anucheta, section 56, and the end of the Tatvas and Darbas, section 63. So, elaboration on Sambandha. Intuition of the subject through reference to the universe. The ten topics of Srimad Bhagavatam. The source consciousness, the source consciousness, the source of everything, consciousness may be intuited by individual consciousness. Make sense? We can think of the consciousness of the Supreme by looking at how our consciousness works. Now he's saying, let's look at the source consciousness by intuiting it from referencing the universal order. Let's see if, if we can pull something from that kind of a reference and deepen our understanding. Better understanding of how the Absolute is both the ground and support of creation without undergoing transformation and without becoming implicated in cause-effect conditionality. Of all that we're going to be confronted with in going through this last section of the Tatmas and Dharma, this is probably the thing that is that really requires that we step a little bit out of our comfort zone. What I mean by that is remember we're talking we're talking about that supreme non-dual entity. Varanti tatvavidas tatvam yas janam advayam janam advayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavan iti subjate that non-dual consciousness can be appreciated in three ways as the supreme brahman 
as the all-pervading Paramatma and as Bhagavan, an embodiment of the Supreme Personality. We've come up to this point and time and again we've been confronted with this non-causal dilemma. We've been confronted with it in relationship to Bhakti herself. There's no cause for bhakti. There's nothing you can do. Bhakti is not the result of sadhana. Sadhana is a stage of bhakti. It's a, so we're conditioned in material life to think in a certain way as far as cause and effect. And we have been a naughty since we can't trace out when we didn't look at life through cause and effect. If I do this, I get that. If I act this way, I'm treated by that, in that way. If I want this, I work for it in this way and I get my result. And if I don't get my result, then I didn't do something. And there's so many laws of nature and so many laws of Shastra that allow me to, to, to engage in that causality. Isn't that what karma is? There's karma, yes. Karma is one causality. There's also going above karma. We can go to scripture and we can call up a, a Brahminical wizard and we could say chant a mantra, give him some money and say put on this sacrifice and sacrifice the horse and then my sins are gone and I can go to Swargaloka. Causality. So whatever I do, I'm, I'm used to since time immemorial Everything for the conditioned jiva has been based on cause and effect. So now we're going to start looking to what's the nature of the Supreme. Well, he's this non-dual. There's no duality in him. How do we reconcile this non-dual personality with the fact that apparently coming from him is a whole cosmic manifestation and ourselves, how does he not cause that? How can he provide the opportunity to his parts and parcels, to the other jivas who are truly just simply in an illusion of material existence? How can he do that and not be implicated in the cause and effect of the creation? The wording of the of the Anuchetas in English is so unique by the author in order to convey this concept. Just as Bhakti is completely independent, the Supreme is completely independent, although it looks like he's he's involved in activities of creation, maintenance, and destruction in relationship to the material cosmos, it's simply a display of his shaktis. But we can't think that he is in any way influenced by that display of his energies. Just as bhakti looks to us from our perspective at this point, like I'm engaging in an activity for a result. So if I engage in bhakti, the result is going to come from the hard work of, of performing bhakti. No, it's not. We're performing bhakti to what? To turn our consciousness towards the supreme. And in turning our consciousness, we become aware 
of what's always been there. And it's coming to us by the mercy of the sadhu. From the mercy of the sadhu, if there's any advancement to be had, it's from that loving exchange, that love coming from the heart of the sadhu. And yes, when we associate with such a personality, then we are putting ourselves, as I said earlier, we're changing we're changing the energy that we're involved in from Krishna's external potency to his internal potency. So, I'll move forward here a little bit. Evolutionary unfolding from subtle mahatattva, cosmic intellect, to gross physical elements, involution, state of being involved, of spirit, into phenomenality. The words they use. Okay, but just to get the point across that the unfolding of the evolution, the evolution of a universe, the evolution of the creation is an, an unfolding of the subtle mahatattva, cosmic intellect unfolding to gross physical elements in volution the state of becoming involved. What is the involvement? What is that stated involvement of the source? It's a glance. His glance is what? It's activating the external potency, his external energy. It's not that he's creating. It's more that he's, he's becoming involved consciously in the external, the Mahatattva, and from the Mahatattva, then as we go through this evolution that becomes the cosmic manifestation. But what's the Lord's involvement? He's simply, he's glancing. And his glancing is agitating without becoming implicated in cause, effect, conditionality. He's looking without becoming involved. It's not a causal or a cause and effect. It's simply an awakening of his the potential of one of his energies. The delineation of all the nine topics self-evidently discloses the tenth topic. So Jiva's going to walk through some verses of the Bhagavatam and in the Anuchedas, he's going to take the verse, he's going to present it, and then he's going to unpack it for us. And his analysis here at the end of the Tattvasandarbha will be on two presentations of the ten subjects of the Bhagavatam. There's two in the Bhagavatam, one in the second canto and one in the twelfth canto. And although some of the terminology used is a little different, the ten topics are the same, just presented with a different terminology. So the ten subjects, primordial creation, cosmic creation, sustenance of life systems, the operation of grace, the matrix of phenomenality, enactment of dharma for rational thought-based beings, power of self-revealing words, coexist extensive with the reality it signifies, dissolution of life systems, 
liberation, the ultimate shelter of all. So now Anucheta 56 begins. Through reference to the individual, Jiva, we've looked at the Supreme. That's called uh, Vyasti Nirdesh, looking inward to see what's actually there. Now that same non-dual reality, Brahman, is defined in universal terms. So we've defined, he's already defined that non-dual Brahman in, in personal terms, personal terms looking at the, at the situation of the jiva. Now he's looking at the universe. So the one is Vyasti Nirdesh, and the second is Samas Nirdesha. The terms, if they ever come up, you know. Looking inward is Vyasti, and outward is Samasti. Then he goes on to point out that if we look to the way the great sages have compiled spiritual literature and presented it to humanity, one of those types of presentations is called a Purana. Puranic presentation where information is presented. It's different from the Vedas. It, it gives us a, a historical historical presentation and some story form so that it's easier for our, us to comprehend. If we were to just go to the Vedas and read the Vedic various Upanishads and the, they're kind of cryptic. They're not, they, they need some unpacking. You know, Tatwamasi. Tatwamasi. My gosh. How long could you talk about you are that. You are what? Who is you? Who is that? How am I that? How am I not that? Why am I that? Why am I not that? What's that mean that I am right? So we take just three simple, just a simple thing from the Upanishads, from the Veda, Tatwamasi, and we've opened up a whole vast philosophical entrance point into spiritual revelation. So the Puranas present it in a little more easily digestible form for us. There are major and there are minor Puranas. Any major Puranas, major Purana, will have these ten subjects that we're reviewing here at the end of the Tatmasandarbha. These ten items have to be there or it's not a major piranha. Creation, sub-creation, maintenance, the mercy of the Lord, the Lord's pastimes, the, the involvement in karma, these things are there. Atrasargo visargas chastadamposanam utaya manvatare sunukartha nirodo muktir ashraya So I want to read the translation of this verse as it's presented by Sachin Narayan Das. He has a uh, unique English translation. In this book, Sriman Bhagavatam, ten subjects are discussed. Sarga, original setting in motion of primordial nature by the Lord, primary creation. Visarga, the secondary creation of the primal cosmic being, Brahma. The Lord creates and puts sets into motion the amalgamation of all the elements, starting with Mahatattva, and from there, as we go th 
forward in our presentation, we'll see the various elements and how they evolve from that Mahatattva, how the gunas become agitated. Secondary creation is Visarga. Visarga means Brahma. And what's Brahma's job in all this? He makes arrangements for all the jivas in that material manifestation of energy, the material bodies, secondary creation. Stana, the sustenance of living beings. Well, if you've given them a place to play, you need to take care of them. They have to be fed, they have to be watered, like a little child. You've got to put the, put the clothing, you know, got to educate them. That's stana, the sustenance. Posada is protection by the Lord, the mercy of the Lord. This is extended to those who will accept it. Not everybody's open to being taken care of. There are some that just, when they reach a certain age, they leave home and there's nothing you can do to draw them back. They want none of your help. They don't want any of your mercy. They don't want your money. They really just don't even want to see you again. This particular item of creation, this subject of the Bhagavatam, posana, is not applicable to every jiva. It's only applicable to those jivas who are neutral or favorable to knowing the nature of their being, their self. Uti. Well, this is a third creation. The Supreme Lord creates by his glance. Well, he doesn't create. Sorry about that. The Supreme Lord, he stimulates his potency and the material world manifests, it's cast out, and then Brahma takes his position and he arranges for the jivas to have appropriate bodies. And the jiva also has a position of creation. What does he create? Uti. He creates karma. That's the nature of his creating. Uti is referring to this, the subconscious imprints and desires that promote engagement in goal-oriented action. The subconscious imprints, what do we call those? Samskaras. Samskaras. And desires that promote engagement in goal-oriented action. We also have a little creative capacity of our own. Manvantara, the religious path enacted by the Manus. What's a Manu? A Manu is, he's a director of humanity. And in one day of, of Brahma, one day of Brahma, there are 14 Manus. The reign of these Manus is an extremely long time. 71 cycles of the four yugas. So you take 71 cycles times 14 manus and you come up to the 1,000 yuga cycles which are the one day of Brahma, his wakefulness. And then there's an equal time when he's resting. So these 14 manus, they're in charge of these long periods of time and they basically 
establish and maintain order within the universe through Dharma. They're in charge of this. They can't really do it on their own. Yada, yada, he, Dharma, Krishna's got to come. He comes in every yuga just to set things right and to attract the living entities to Dharma by attracting them to himself. And Manu's got the material position. Uh, right now his name is Vivasvatu Manu. It's a big post. Lots of responsibility. Well, they're das, das, anu, das. One or not one, they they are servants, so. Well, I mean, somebody tells them, okay, you're next. Well, it's written. You can mm. you can look mm. it up in the Shastra. If you don't know if your time's up to be a Manu, you could probably find it. <laughs> we can find in the Srimad Bhagavatam mm. the fact that we know who the next Manu's going to be. So we know who all the Manus are actually going to be from a book like the Srimad Bhagavatam. So the next is Isanu Katha, narrations of the Lord and his devotees. Look at the difference in the wording. In act, uh, power of self-revealing word coexistent with the reality it signifies. In other words, the Leela of the Lord and the Lord's devotees. The Leela, as presented in the Bhagavatam, the Leela of the Lord is the same as the Lord. The Lord's enacting his Leela to attract us, or the Lord's devotee coming into human society and, and performing some amazing activity or having an amazing life, like Rishav Dave. That in and of itself it's on the absolute platform. It's transcendent. It's a new katha, narration of the Lord and his devotees. Naroda, dissolution of the creation. The Supreme looks away, takes a little nap, it all winds up. Mukti, liberation, and ashraya the substratum or ultimate shelter of individual and collective being. The next verse, to clarify the meaning of the tenth subject depicted here, the highly elevated souls mentioned in this book such as Vidura and Maitreya describe the characteristics of the first nine subjects, sometimes directly by offering prayers of glorification, using words that graphically depict their intended object, and sometimes indirectly, by pointing out the intended meaning, artha, tarparya, implicit in various narrations. So this next verse from the Bhagavatam, Sukadeva Goswami is saying is, all these nine subjects in the Bhagavatam are pointing, pointing towards our apprehension of the tenth subject, the Supreme. And the characteristics of that personality can be known by analysis of his interaction 
with his shaktis in relationship to the material realm. Partially, again, we cannot fully comprehend, but it can give us a good insight. So this approach of understanding is also used by Srila Vyasadeva in the Vedanta Sutra. This approach of perceiving the Supreme by looking at qualities. In the very first sutra of Vedanta Sutra, Tato Brahma Jignasa, now we inquire to Brahman, then Janmad Yasya Yataha, from him proceed the creation, maintenance, and dissolution of the universe. The first nine topics of the Bhagavatam are presented so that we can see through Bhagavan's extrinsic characteristics we can have some understanding of the tenth topic without comprehensive study of the extrinsic potencies the intrinsic can be easily misunderstood we have a tendency to what if we jump ahead and what Jeeva is trying to stress here is you need to go through these nine topics if you want to have a comprehensive understanding of the tenth. Because we have a tendency to what? We would immediately compare the supreme with that which we have knowledge. So the Bhagavatam is presented scientifically. So we go step by step through all these nine topics so that when we arrive at the tenth canto where the Lord's intimate pastimes are described in detail we do not misunderstand his position creation sub-creation how the Manus work under his direction how he sustains the living entities how he protects the living entities how he arranges through his potency for the living entities to fulfill their desires and how through that fulfillment of that desire they are themselves made responsible through karma, how the creation is wrapped up, how he grants liberation to those who are no longer desirous of being involved in goal-oriented activity. Krishna speaks to this in the Bhagavad Gita, doesn't he? In a verse, Avajananti Mahmudha Manusin Tanam Asrita Parambrahma Ajananto Mamabhuta Maheshwara Fools deride me when I, when I descend like a human being. They do not know my transcendental nature and supreme dominion. Avajananti Mahmudha. They're mudhas, fools, rascals, because they think there's no difference between me and them. We're kind of alike, but you know, you're really teeny and I'm unlike everything. So there's some big difference. <laughs> hmm. So we have to know the ontological nature of the Supreme, and that we can better apprehend by the analysis of these ten subjects. He's asked us to look in, Jiva, now he's saying look out, but he's not only saying just look out, look out in a particular way. Use Subdha Brahman, use the Bhagavatam 
as the lens through which you view the material cosmos, your situation, what you're most familiar with. You're familiar with creation, maintenance, destruction, karma. Some of the items of the Bhagavatam you may not be fully familiar with. If we go through this study, then you'll have a most comprehensive outgoing experience from the narrations of the Bhagavatam, which will, when you get to the essence of the Leela of the Lord, allow you an apprehension of those pastimes with the best spiritual orientation, which will not allow for what? They won't allow for misconception. Anarthas. Anartha is primarily misconception, not bad activity. If we can get our if we can get the right the right conceptions regarding spiritual practice, Sambandha, Abhideya, Prayojan, regarding the relationship of the Lord and his various energies, regarding the practice of devotional service, and regarding the goal of our practice, then that will take us quickly, draw us quickly through the stage of Anartha Nivriti, which is basically just not understanding Sambandha Gyan. The next Anucheta 57, the first nine universals culminate in the tenth, will be our next class. Are there any questions? Thank you very much. Why don't you come to do this?